Hey chatters, uh, Joe back here with my good friend Eldad to talk to you about more voices in AI. And we actually have plural two voices to talk about today because they're a dynamic duo. They're very rarely apart. And these two people are <laughs> Tristan Harris and Asia Raskin. Uh, they are the co-founders of the Center for Humane Technology. Uh, Tristan has been in the space for a while. He used to work at Google as a design ethicist. He graduated from Stanford in computer science. He founded the center in 2015 to focus his career after some of the things he was seeing in the space around decreasing the negative impacts of technology on society. And in particular, got his, I guess he's most famous for his advocacy against extractive algorithms that are typically used by social media, meaning algorithms that don't exactly have the best impact on our mental health or well-being. And then Asia, who I don't know as much about him and his past, but he has some crazy research. He's looking to figure out how do we translate animal speech into human speech so we can communicate directly with animals, which is just ridiculous. And I uh, had Eldad watch a video called The AI Dilemma, which is like a follow-up. They, they did this documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, all about social media and following up on how we're not exactly positioning ourselves well for the AI age based on what happened in the social media uh, AI. I guess that's where we'll get started. I'll kick it over to you, Eldad, if you have any like questions or, or areas you want to begin with. Yeah, I think the, the conversation for us always naturally evolves. Where, where did you first hear about it? At the very beginning of all this, when I was getting into it, I was watching anything and everything that I could. And this was one of the first things I watched. Someone had mentioned it, I think on the Learn Prompting Discord, after I had posted some podcast or something around ethics. And they were like, oh, you should watch this. And so I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is horrifying. I need to make Scary. sure that these terrible Scary. things don't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a, it's obviously a well-done presentation. I don't know where the, the talk was being given. It's a shame that the video cuts out at the Q&A part. It'd be interesting to hear the immediate reaction of the crowd yeah. to the first time ever seeing that in some of the questions that they popped up with. It's it's worth the the hour investment or less if you do the the faster talking <laughs> speeds, which they say you can still understand everything at one point seven five or one point five easily. It is, I would say, terrifying, scary more than horrifying. I, I think to me, horror would be if these realities came true, and some of them already are. Right? They they, they pointed out two or three things that really resonated with me. Obviously, they know what social media has done. And they showed you some of the negatives from that in a nice little kind of half screen image. And then where that is impacted, be it media, be it or journalism or national security and things of that nature. And when you start to extrapolate into that realm from the micro, in a sense, not that one post is going to run in national security, but when you that's where it gets i think scary and to see that and uh, having a young daughter and a son who's 23 now but has gone through it you get it right if that's what social did what's this going to be with ai if we're not thinking about the the algorithms that we are building on and the incentive structure 
for those of you who don't want to take the time to watch the video, generally the idea here is that we have good intentions for social media to begin. It'll bring us all closer together, create a global society. But the problem is behind that mask is this algorithm that is incentivized to hold your attention to sell you things. And that generally is going to, as in what's called an extractive practice, is not going to have good impacts on us. And we've seen that. I think they talk about it has we lost the first battle against AI with these algorithms because we didn't create them to better ourselves or improve ourselves or humanity. We created them to sell something. And now we're, we're living with that. And what happens if we continue down that trajectory with this next level of AI, generative AI, in the same way, which... This is the route we're going towards right now. How can we not? We're a capitalist society. This stuff is very expensive. People are losing <laughs> a lot of money up front to invest yeah. in this. And it creates this race mentality, this race to the bottom mentality where everyone wants to be the first and the best. And so that competition for capital and attention breeds an environment that is not conducive to thriving for humanity necessarily. Yeah, I agree. Those threats are real. And I think there are two portions that really just resonated so strongly with me. First and near the end was that they talk about the percentage of AI research that used to come out of academia and where these papers and such are coming out now. Yes, academia is still publishing in, in I'm going to butcher the name, Arvix. Is Ar just one. archive. It's spelled A-R-X-I-V, but pronounced archive. Okay. Thank you. Archive has a nice website. If you really wanted to follow the deep scientific side of it, technical side of it, you can find tons of free papers and so forth out there. And most of them come from academia, but you'll see there's a lot of partnerships with companies in there. At the same time, we know that companies are producing it even faster because they have the money, right? And, and that's what this game is going to come down to. The second one that really was the one I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't think of it on the, in this format. AI has been around for decades, but it's, and in they show a little graph of where it's growing and so forth, yada, yada. But what is the scary part is it's growth. Sorry, let's take a step. It has always been with across those decades compartmentalized into different things, computer vision, machine learning. I, I can't remember the number of areas, the six or seven that mm -hmm. they showed. It's just the different modalities were separated. Yes. So you had your voice people yes. over here, you had your vision people over here. Yeah. Yada, and because, yes. And because at the time, those times, the they were very distinct, as I think it was Asa, Asa in the video points out. Asia. Asia. It is spelled uh, A-Z-A, which is confusing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Uh, it's a grammatical pronunciation uh, lesson for me today. What Asia points out is at the time, they, those, they didn't have much overlap, if any. They, those were really distinct. And while everybody made a 1%, 2% incremental increase, what's happened now is everything is being combined. They, they speak about golems and this multi-modality AI that's being created. So everything's being fed into the same thing. So it's one AI in, some, in many respects, right? 
regardless if it's ChatGPT, Anthropic, or whatever, the technology that's the basis of it. And now that one or two percent gain or three, whatever, is within one thing. So it's gonna it's learning that much faster. And the fact that people have already caught it on that it can train itself. And yet we have no understanding of what happens within that training. Now that's where the word horrifying pops up, right? Mm -hmm. Like where the heck is that going to lead to? Yeah, you talked about a couple things in there. I want to step back and, and define a little bit. One is the shift from everyone working in silos to everyone working together. This is due to the invention of the transformer architecture, which they talk about, which I think of it as like the universal translator, just by like predicting the next thing, no matter the modality, it can get good enough in replicating whatever we want to do. And that includes, they have the example of the brain. At this point now, you can be thinking of something in your brain and the AI can now predict what you're thinking, like an image more or less, Off like of, think if I think it was. Yeah. It'll come up with a very messed up looking giraffe, but it's still a giraffe. They showed the Wi-Fi thing where you're able to actually see people through a room just through the Wi-Fi signal, the frequencies bouncing off of you. And so now we really do have this universal multimodal translator where you can convert any modality to another modality with enough training. And then the second thing you mentioned was golems, which is what I'm trying to get all the synth miners to move over to. And something that they were predicting prior to anyone really talking about it, which stands for generative large multimodal models. This is different from large language models, which are just language. It's really trying to encompass what has now come out since Dev Day of they have the multimodal model. It can do vision. It can create pictures. It can do voice to text and text to voice. It, it can do all the things. It has all the modalities now. And again, it's not perfect, but we're all, we see the trajectory now. We yeah. see which way it's going. And yeah, I love Tristan. Is is Jewish? <laughs> I don't know how like religious he is. But he's Jewish. So I'm wondering if he came up with this because of that. Because for those who don't know, golems, which get a bad rap typically and have negative connotations, but really all they are a piece of Jewish folklore where it's this clay figure you create and you animate it by putting a piece of paper in it, essentially, that gives it instructions. And so I love this idea because this is the way we're moving with agents. We're literally typing out instructions for it to follow. And some of the stories that go wrong or why golems get a bad rap is because those instructions are not great. Either they are misunderstood by the golem or they are actively made to do wrong things. And it's the same thing here where we can't really blame the AI for what it's doing, right? We have to blame ourselves, not only for how we're creating it, but also the instructions that we're giving it and not thinking about the unintended consequences of those instructions. There are some bits that you just, oh my gosh, we're already here and who knows where it can go. Another, again, two instances in the video that distinctly implanted it in my brain. The fact that what you mentioned about the giraffe, but it was the follow-up right after that, that they said it can read brain waves, right? That's how it's doing it. And so they believe we already are at the state where you could ask somebody a question 
the my computer would be reading the brain waves that are, are recorded, it could already tell you what that person is thinking as the answer or what. And that it's that's like telekinesis, right? Isn't that the, the superpower, right? Or, or yep. that silly movie that uh, Mel Gibson made years ago where he could hear women and their thoughts. Yeah, he want or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. It's that's frightening, man. Because if you think somebody employs that in some mechanisms, and we're having a conversation in Synthminds about some of these other apps that are out there, which I'm not going to name, but that you can use like x ray glasses. Well, what could you do if you're already thinking, know what somebody's going to be applying with? And the point that they make is that it's social media and everything was much more about a race to, to become the best at persuasion. And what's going to happen is that's going to carry into this quite, quite easily, but it's going to become about intimacy. Well, not intimacy in the positive sense, but how well it knows you. And if an AI can knows you and can still manipulate you because it's already an expert at persuasion, that's just frightening. Yeah. And, and how would that be employed? Yeah. You know, I don't want to go too far down this path to depress no. people, but no, you know, no. you can because the capitalist side of people, right? You can see there will be a lot of use of it in for negative connotation. We can leave the imagination up to the listener projecting out what happens when someone is able to literally see and hear your thoughts. Yeah. Right. It's not good. We're all going to be wearing these headbands in the future to put to protect ourselves or something. I don't know. <laughs> the aluminum foil hats. Yes. <laughs> They're suddenly become in vogue. Kim Kardashian selling aluminum foil hats for $10 million a pop. <laughs> that would be very interesting. <laughs> but the, they, they do also at points hint at some of the good things, right? How this could eliminate plastics in the ocean or can that stuff be figured out through AI? Or we can talk with animals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that'd be very interesting as well, right? Who knows what we can learn at that point about the world and the everything that they're much more tuned to than we are. And you have to take it with the the pinch of salt or, or the spoon, because <laughs> you might need a lot of it. That And think, it is definitely a game changer, and they're absolutely correct in calling out that it needs to be monitored and so forth. But will it be? Will it end up like nuclear weapons, as they point out, in the sense of that only nine countries in the world technically officially own uh, nuclear weapons? Mm. I don't think that's going to happen because this is much more freely available than the uranium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The The uranium of AI are GPUs, the, the chips that can run the, the computations required. And although there's a shortage now, because there's a shortage, everyone's going to start making their own. NVIDIA won't have uh, such a hold on it. And we're going to start to see this become a lot more available to people. So I don't want to leave people with a, a depressing end. I will say Tristan and Asia are fighting very hard against this. So definitely join your voices with theirs if, if you are also concerned. You can check out their podcast, Your Undivided Attention. It's it's really good. They talk to some very interesting people and, and have very interesting discussions. And then I would highly recommend taking the time to take their free ethical design course. 
especially if you're going to be out there building things or using AI in any sort of company setting to help you really ask yourself these tough questions and ensure that as much as you can, you're not contributing to the negative, the potential negative futures of AI or contributing to a benevolent trajectory for us humans, us poor humans. Anything else you want to leave folks with, Elda, before we wrap up? No, I, I, I tend to be an optimist at heart, right? And and that's what makes me so excited about the, this medium, this technology. And there are going to be some tremendous strides that, that for humanity that it does help. The medicine, hopefully with the environment, for business and productivity. And we have to just be alert to the fact that we need to monitor and set up the safeguards now because piece of technology that can beat us, right? And it's speed and if it's not handled now. Oh, are we going to end up in a climate change situation? Scenario, yeah. yeah. Good catching up, Bell Died. I'll see you next time. Look forward to it.